0: James chapter 2, we'll read verses uh, 14 through 23. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 23. There it says, What does the prophet, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and desolate of um, daily foods, and one of you say unto them, well, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give him that which things which are needful for the body. What does a prophet? Even so, or even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God. Thou dost well. The devil also believes and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith Without works is dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar? See, so then, how faith how faith wrought with his works, and by works was his faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which was saith, Abraham believed God, and was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Let's pray, shall we? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for today. As we try to get into this message today, I pray that you would guide me, give me wisdom as we, as I try to explain your word. As we are challenged about our faith, help us to step out in greater ways. Help me to be able to say the words I need to say, refrain from any words I shouldn't. We praise things your name, Amen. So tonight I want to talk a little bit about sharing your, lo- sharing and living your faith. I put this slide up a little bit on purpose. Anyone recognize it? I don't want to embarrass anyone. But that slide's been on the PowerPoint all month long. It's a Saturday morning PowerPoint slide for our Saturday morning soul. So it's been up there all month long. And this has been a the theme I've been talking about in, on Saturday mornings. I preach, a bit to, uh, preach to those who come out Saturday mornings about sharing your faith and living your faith. The subject of sharing your faith and living your faith go hand in hand. I like how the Holy Spirit says here in verse 18, A man may say, Thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. Show me what you believe without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. I'm not just going to, James uh, James didn't just want to hear you say, Well, I'm a Christian. No, no He said, I, I, want to, I want to see that you're a Christian. I want to see the actions in your life. I want your actions, your attitude to show that you're a Christian. Not just your lip service, but really what you believe. Here's the example here of abraham right was not abraham our father justified by works when he offered isaac his son upon the altar we know the classic story right god tells abraham to go sacrifice to go up to um, the mount with his son his only son isaac to offer him as a sacrifice now abraham believed god he had the faith in god he knew that god had called him in fact even the passage there in genesis 22 says thy only son isaac so he knew the Abrahamic problem would have to come through his only son. Then God told him to go sacrifice him on a mountain. But Abraham was willing to put his his faith in God. You said it, Lord. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to, put, I'm going to live my faith. And as he did that, we saw how God answered his faith in that classic story where he, was, he believed God so much that he was even throwing the knife towards the son. angel had to say, well, hold, hold on. Good job. Good job, Abraham. You did it. You showed your faith. His faith, his, his faith wasn't just lip service. It wasn't just words. It was actions. It was out there. It was easy to be seen. In America nowadays, so, so often people don't, see, don't want us to show our faith. I read an, um, an article on debate.com where 70% of all people voted, said religion should be a private matter and kept in the home. 70% of people voted for it. And it was interesting, because if you started reading the comments, most of those people were claiming to be Christians of some kind, saying, well, no, no, our, my faith, my religion is a private matter. What good is it to have a faith that's a private matter? What, how pointless would it be to come to church on Sunday to be the same on Monday? I mean, how ridiculous is it to say you believe the Bible, but then don't let it affect your life? Or say, I believe in hell, but never warn someone about going there. What purpose is a religion that stays in a closet? James said, look, you say thou hast faith. You know, he looked at him and says, look, thou hast faith I have worked. Look, show me thy faith. I want you to see it. I want to see what you believe actually exercised, actually done something with it. Tonight, my goal is to motivate you to share your faith and to live your faith. To get your actions to dictate your behaviors. To not just do lip service, well, I believe this, but to actually do something about it. To not just say you believe the scriptures, but to compel you to do what the scriptures say. To compel you to to believe and do what you're saying. To share your faith and live your faith. To share your faith and live your faith. As we get started tonight, I want to look at a, the three aspects of, sh- of your faith to encourage you to share that faith and to live that faith. And we'll, let's define real quick. Let's understand the faith. When we point to this passage here in James, so often in James, many, many cults take this passage and try to twist it and saying a works-based religion. They turn around and, um, and try to sh- say that this passage says you must earn your way to heaven not the interpretation of it. I mean, it's just so clear there. Now, let's look at from um, first off, faith unassisted. So many people want to look at this and say, well, that says, faith that works is dead, so therefore, you have to have works to go to heaven. I remember having a great conversation one time with a Mormon out there in Las Vegas where we used to live at, and he, I, we're sharing with them Ephesians two eight and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And he goes, that's not right. That's literally what it says. No, 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 no. You'll see what happens is you have to try your very best and you're trying to earn your way to God. And, and then whatever way you, you can't get there, then God will come and by grace give you the rest of the way. No, that is not what it says. Literally, it literally even says there, not by works, lest any man should boast. And people will take this scripture and try to say, well, see, it says Abraham was, was um, saved by works. No, look at verse 23. Abraham believed God and it was imputed for him for righteousness. It says his faith was perfected, it was matured through um, his works, through what he was doing that caused his faith to grow. And any of us who've ever worked in a ministry, I see Brother John back there. When you're on the bus, man, that will grow your faith. There are several things in there will challenge you to grow further. This passage does not at all say that, no, 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 you have to earn your way to heaven. And that's nothing close to the direct literal interpretation. If you just read it for what it says, that's not saying you have to earn your way to heaven. No. Think about the classic illustration of the, of the thief next to Jesus on the cross. You know, on the cross, he starts even on the cross making fun of Jesus. He starts there as he's being executed as a public criminal. He's sitting there, he start off making fun of Jesus, and eventually comes around and realizes, wow. You know, as he hears Jesus talking about, you know, Father, forgive them for they know what to do. As they hear him, um, as he hears Jesus, Jesus says, woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. And he turns around and realizes, man, no. Jesus, will you remember me this day when thou go into heaven? And Jesus said to them, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. This man never one time had a chance to do any good work. I mean, he, he was dead in a couple hours. I mean, not to be gruesome, but they broke his legs in a few hours and he died, you know, really before sunset that day. He was gone within three hours, three or four hours. It was no works at all. No, no, faith unassisted is what gets us into heaven. Our sins separate us from God, and works have nothing to do with trying to get us back to God. It's it's doesn't. It's not the same. No, the Bible says, "He that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not, or he that hath not the Son hath not life. But the wrath of God abideth on him." You know, it is our faith alone will get us into heaven. And if we don't have that part set up, then the rest of the sermon is going to be off balance. Because it starts off by making sure you have that eternal life. And I know most everybody in here, but it's always important to start a sermon, or have in the sermon making sure that you know you are saved. Not just a hope so, or I think so, but I know so. That you know there has been the day when you turn to Jesus and ask him alone to forgive you your sins. There has to be a time for that. I was joking with um, someone the other day, and I, and I mentioned to them, oh, it was Miss Plute, and she was looking excited about going and seeing the grandkid born, and she's not going to be here for a couple weeks. I'm like, oh, no, that's going to be exciting. You know, you only get born twice, right? So, Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Hey, only, there has to be a day when you trust Jesus as your Savior. There must be a day for that. Just like there's a the day you're born. You're not confused if you're born or not. You were, because you're here. Just to make sure that's clear. There must be a day that's just as clear for when you got saved. When was that day for you? You may not know the exact date. My date's very simple to remember. I got saved January 2nd, 2003. One, two, three. I can memorize that one. But when was that day for you? You may not know the date, but you say it was on a Wednesday night. It was in my living room. It was with Mom and Dad. When was it for you? When was the day you got saved? Again, the, the faith unassisted will get you to heaven. You've got to understand that before anything else. But then after we've gone saved, I know most people in here have been saved, but then faith should then urge us forward. Our faith's, The faith's urging is for us to go forward in the Lord. After salvation, work should be the next natural thing that happens, like baptism. As a Christian, one of the first things that should happen to us after we get saved is baptism. It's a work that shows what we believe. In the Bible, most everyone in the Bible got baptized. And I can't even think of someone in the Bible that wasn't baptized the same day they got saved. Uh, Acts 2.41, in the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 um, three, souls. Then they that like, gladly received his word were baptized. In the same day, they're added unto them about 3,000 souls. As we get saved and as we grow, we realize what we believe in should change our actions. We do what our core principles tell us to do. In our lives, no matter who we are, we follow our core principles. If running's important to you, you'll go running. You can say running's important to you. I think running is a great exercise. I think there's many health benefits, and I haven't gone running in a couple years. It's not really one of my core principles. It's not. No. I can say it's a good thing, but until I actually get some of my tennis shoes on and get on the road, it really doesn't mean anything. Faith has to urge us forward. We do what our basic beliefs tell us to do, whether it's running, whether it's potato chips. I believe potato chips are a good thing. My basic beliefs tell me that, so I'm going to eat potato chips. It's, a, it's an outcome of what you believe. And as an individual, whether it's potato chips or whether it's the Bible, we're going to do with really what we believe. And as we get saved, faith should urge us forward. Faith should push us forward into believing, and to changing in different ways. Like the unsaved man who doesn't care if you swear or not. You know, you watch TV, there's cussing every few minutes. You watch YouTube. I am so surprised about how much cussing is on YouTube. And as people go, the, 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 the unsaved world doesn't mind cussing. But as, you get in, but as you get saved and as you start growing, you start reading stuff like when the Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth. But that which is good for the edifying of the believer, that means serve grace upon the hear. You, you hear the Bible and you realize, well, Maybe I shouldn't be cussing like that, and slowly God will change you, little upon little, line upon line, precept upon precept. Faith will urge you to become closer and closer to Him. It'll help change who you are. It'll mold you into becoming the best you can be, to grow more and more in the likeness of the Savior, to become a stronger Christian. You know, the understanding we have to start by understanding our faith before we share it or anything. Let's have to make sure we understand that number one it's by faith by that, that salvation is by faith alone but then faith alone isn't enough to grow as a Christian there has to be works behind it and man may say well thou is thy works and I have my faith no no show me thy faith without thy works you can't show me' you're a Christian without works no there needs to be action behind it we need to understand that before we go then number two tonight let's talk about sharing your faith. Live your faith, share your faith. Sharing our faith is a core principle of what a Christian's all about. It should be anyways. Do you realize that you have been called to be a soul winner? You have been called already of God to win someone to the Lord. It's not something you need a special calling for. I remember the day I got called to preach I can show you I can bring you to the spot there at my home church, Lancaster Baptist Church. The auditorium faces the other direction. So it's on the very, very back view. On the balcony, in the very back, there's a pillar there, I can bring you to the spot of where I got called to preach. That is not the same as being called to be a soul winner. Being called to be a soul winner is something that happens at salvation. You have been called to be a soul winner. You have been called to share your faith. Mark 16 15 is even on the wall. But Jesus said, go ye to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Ye means you. As an individual mandate, you're supposed to share your faith. You're supposed to win the loss. Not just the pastor, not just the evangelist, but it is a command to share your faith. It is the same kind of commandment as thou shalt not steal. Most of us in here follow that commandment very well. Thou shalt not, not steal. Most of us do a very, very good job at that. Thou shalt not kill. I think most of you guys have done a pretty good job of following that one. Right? But, go ye is the same commandment. When he said, All power is unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. We are supposed to go out there and preach the gospel to every creature. Acts eight. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And yet doctrinal, as soon as you got saved, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You have been called to be a soul winner. God has already told you, go. He told you before you were born. The Bible is older than you. You have been called to go. He has told you, as a Christian, it's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It is a commandment. Just like thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not steal, thou shalt go. It is something we are supposed to do, and you have been called to do it. And there are chances for you to go out there and share your gospel, to share the gospel. Let's take it up on it. You know, every Tuesday and every Saturday, we have a great opportunity here at the church to go soul winning. Say, So well, I, I don't know if I can go out there. I don't, I, I'm kind of scared. I don't know what the words to say. Well, come out on Saturday. Come out on Tuesday. And we'll share with you. We'll teach you. I'm going through, on Saturdays, I've been going through a series for many weeks now about how to witness to people in certain different religious groups. We've talked about how to witness to Jewish people. We've talked about how to witness to Muslim people, to um, Catholic people. This week, we're going to talk about this one's going to be interesting. How do we witness to those that are, part of an op- that are part of a reprobate church, that are part of an apostate church? How do we witness someone who, oh, yeah, I go to church every week, but are going to a church that doesn't believe the Bible? And many people there may not even be saved. I remember one time going to, I don't know why we did this. This is one of those um, young college guy kind of things, 18, 19 years old. I was probably 18 years old at the time. I was helping out at a church plant in um, Riverside, California. Well, not uh, church replant in Riverside, California. The church was a very interesting church. You were either a former Marine or you were Cambodian. That was basically it. Great food at the church, though. I'll tell you that. Great food. Um, I was there helping out with a guy Dave Schwartz, and um, one day he, there's a, there was a mega church in the area, some really big name church. So he, he brought me there to go to the coffee shop one day. We're stopping to get coffee. Let's go, let's go over there. And as we were there, I started witnessing to, I started talking to the, um, the barista, the, you know, the coffee making lady. And I realized a couple cents into it, this lady's just not, just not saved. She's working at the church, and is completely lost. Doesn't even understand the basics of the Bible. Wasn't sure if Jesus was Christ or how to get to heaven. As she was literally working at the church. Hey, on Saturday, we're going to be talking about how to witness to someone that's in a spot like that. Where they go, oh yeah, I go to church every Sunday. You talk to them, they have no idea what the Bible says. We'll be talking about that. Why don't you come out on Saturday? Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights, Pastor Mike sets it up so we grab them a good a little goodie bag. And we'll go out to those to visit those who have visited the church before and make a second contact with them. Or visit haven't been in church in a long time. And go out there and, hey, try to touch bases with them again. It's a very easy way to learn to share the gospel. Well, I don't, I don't know how. Well, there's a chance to share on Tuesdays, on Tuesday evenings, Saturday mornings. The senior saints were out here today. I saw Ms. Joan Syrett and several other senior saints went out visiting this afternoon. Hey, we have chances to share. Well, I, I don't know when. Well, there's chances here. There's chances to go out systematically and go, go out on visiting, go out and share, to share our faith. It also needs to be a sporadic time of our life. Just like in our life, there should be a planned time of prayer, shouldn't there? If someone says, that, I'm going to become a great Christian, but I really don't have a prayer life. I don't really have a set time when I pray. Nothing's going to get done, right? Well, there needs to be a set time as a Christian when you go and pray. But just as there's spontaneous times, we need to go pray. We need to stop and pray. There should be spontaneous times of soul winning as well. as trying to witness to people. Um, Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.2, Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. A season. doesn't matter. Reprove rebuke with all long-suffering doctrine. It doesn't matter. Just The opportunity comes up, share the gospel. Monday night, Chris and I were out there buying um, AC units. I need a new AC unit for um, Kiara's room. So many of you guys know, I like Craigslist. I like getting stuff cheap. So I'm out there. Um, hey, I got two for basically the price I was going to buy one for. I thought that was a pretty good deal. But, um... As we were out there talking to this guy, he mentioned the fact he's selling the ACUs because he's moving to Milford. Well, great. The church is rest on the other side of the connector. You need to come out for this. And we just took the spontaneous time of buying an ACU off Craigslist to use it to become a witnessing opportunity to try to help get this guy to heaven. There are many illustrations we could use about talking about how, hey, just a simple track has helped really, not just save someone's soul from hell, but has really affected Someone's eternity. See, I was thinking about some stories about, how about a guy, Joe, Joe Chicos. You guys remember Joe Chicos? Fun guy, right? Big guy. He invited one of his friends, George, to come to church. And after George started coming to this church, George brought his brother Jim with him. Now aren't we glad Jim Owens is part of this church? All because someone passed. He said, hey, George, you're one of my friends. Why don't you come with me? How about um, Joe's wife, Sandy? Sandy used to play the piano for us and play the organ, too. They're now living down in Florida. Sandy one day invited one of her coworkers to come to church. Well, I, I go to church. What about Sunday night? Why don't you come with me Sunday night? That was Pastor Rivera. Because Sandy was willing to pass out a track and invite him. And even when they gave this, he says, well, I, I go to church. Why don't you come Sunday night? And they got Pastor Rivera to come to the church here. And aren't we all glad Pastor Rivera is here at the church? Aren't you glad I wasn't the one just doing the song leading? There there are plenty of opportunities to share our faith around. There are organized times when we go out. Again, I encourage you to come out on Saturday mornings or Tuesday nights. Have an organized time. You go out there and spontaneously talk about it. Talk to your neighbors about it. This is kind of funny. I remember when this this one kind of first hit me. You guys realize, you you realize, right, your neighbors know where you go Sunday morning. It's they see you through the blinds. They see you dressed up. They see the Bible. They know what you're doing. It's not, a, it's not a secret. They know where you're going. You're dressed up Sunday morning. You have a Bible. They know you're going to church. So why don't you invite them to come with you sometime? Make them a plate of cookies and walk over there. Hey, why don't you come with me next Sunday? It's kind of surprising how many people actually will come out with just a simple invitation. I remember as a teenager, I used to keep tracks in my... Um, my backpack as a kid, I could easily pass them out. It was so amazing. I remember that's how I learned to go soul. And he was just, I kept in my backpack and I'm like, hey, I like you. You're cool. Come to church. And people would. Amazing. Hey, there needs to be a chance to share your faith. But really what I think it comes down to tonight is I don't think that's a mind-blowing fact for many people in here tonight. Like, i got to share my faith. Whoa. I, I don't really see that really going on. What I really do see, though, unfortunately, is the callousness of some. We realize someone needs to go out there and reach the lost, as long as that someone ain't me. Well, someone should go out there, but that's, that's, that's not my ministry. No. A door-to-door soul winner. I couldn't do that. No, no, no. You, you've been called to be a soul-winner. You've been called to share your faith. Without it, it's a a sin. It's a disobedience to God, just like any other sin would be. But sometimes we just get so callous and so hard about it. It reminds me of a little story. I like this little story. This is a little story about four people. Named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done. And everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry because that about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that anybody wouldn't do it. So it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. That was a tongue twister. I remember one time being out um, so um, doing the blitzing with um, Pastor Peslak. One, one day, I forget what the big day coming up was. We all jumped on the bus. Pastor Pezak would drive crazy down, open up doors, get out here, meet you at the end of the street, and go drop somebody off at the next road. And we had a huge, huge grip out. We had almost that whole short bus filled up with people going out soul winning. And I remember seeing one specific person out there, they were doing an awesome job. They were really talking. I think they even led a couple couple people to the Lord that night. And I've never seen them out soul winning again. It's like, man, you you were so good at this. I mean, it wasn't like... Any of everybody should go stolen. This guy had some skill, too, but they just disappeared. We get callous. We get hard. We think, well, someone needs to go stolen. I believe in reaching the lost. Let's support some more missionaries. We need to support some more missionaries. We should give to them. But missionaries are supposed to go to the people that we can't reach. We're supposed to reach those that we can reach. Our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. We're the ones supposed to be out there reaching. But no, no. We'll, I'm not called to that. No thanks. And we just become kind of hard towards soul winning. It's, it's not my job. It's I, I, I got other priorities. Or some people are like ah, I, 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 I don't believe in confrontational evangelism. I'm just gonna act. I'm just gonna sit here and have my lifestyle evangelism. That got popular for a little while. I think most of that trend has mostly died because people realize how ridiculous it is. You can't. Okay, I believe in living the right life. In fact, point number three will be live your faith. I already established that, but we can't just say, oh, "I'm just going to be a good person and people will flock to Jesus." No, the Bible says, "Let your light so shine before me that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven." The works will show our faith. Our works will show what we truly believe in and really get it done. How shall they believe in him whom they? How shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Romans um, 10, 14. We need to be able to go out there and share our faith. But not just a dead faith. A faith that's really alive. That's really affecting our lives. The best way to share the gospel is through a life that has been so changed. Number three then tonight, live your faith. What is your Christian routine? What makes your... Daily routine different from that of a moral man. There are a lot of people who the world out there would consider moral, they would consider a good person. I, I watched a YouTube show a couple days ago. It was ridiculous. I don't recommend it. It was following around a Christian and an atheist on a split screen throughout their day. And it was ridiculous. It was horrible because the way this Christian lived, there really wasn't much of a difference. They got up and they read their Bible, and they were prayed. And the atheist got up and did some yoga and meditated in the morning. They, yeah, the Christian went to church there in the evening, and the atheist went to his club in the evening. And it was just washes. It was just amazing how this Christian's daily routine didn't reflect the Bible. Well, they went to church, but they prayed. Yeah, but there was more to it than just that. The Bible should have it should affect and change our daily routine. Does the Bible dictate what you do? As I was preparing for this, my normal Bible reading brought me over to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel on the lion's den. Great story, right? Fun story. And verse 10 says, Now when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he knew it was now illegal to pray, he went to his house, he opened, and, and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem... He kneeled, down upon, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did four times. Daniel didn't be affected by the law, not because, oh man, there's a law against praying. I'm going to fight against that. Well, no. He, he just lived, he knew the Bible said to pray, so he was going to continue doing what he always did. The Bible had dictated his schedule. How does the Bible affect our daily routine? The Bible says, uh, Psalm 5.3 uh, my voice shalt thou hear, O Lord, in the morning. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and, I w- and will look up. Okay, the Bible says that. Psalm 5.3, in the morning we're supposed to pray. So, is that, do we pray then in the morning? Do we let the Bible change our routine to change our lives? Not just the dead, well, I, I do these things, but no. But having a changed routine from what you read in the Bible. And then let that then... Um, change your reality. Let it change how you live your life. A time of surrender. Think about this. When was the last time you really stepped out in faith? You said, okay, God, I'm going to do this because you said it and not know what the, um, what the outcome is. Lord, I'm going to step forward in faith I'm not going to know what the outcome is going to be. When was the last time we gave sacrificially? The term sacrificially there, now this church does a great job of giving, of tithing. Um, I've worked here for, i um, just about to celebrate the sixth year next on Monday, with my sixth year of being here. Um, I've never one time worried if I was going to get a paycheck or not. Y'all do a great job of tithing. But have you ever given to the Lord sacrificially? In the Old Testament, when they sacrificed a lamb, when they sacrificed a bull, the bull is dead. You didn't get it back. You didn't get the meat from the bull or from the lamb. It was gone. It cost something to give to God. Have you ever given to the point where it actually hurt to give to God? Where it was a sacrifice? Because I did this, I therefore couldn't do that. When was the last time we had a pray- an answer to prayer? We say, I know that God answered this prayer directly. Th- this prayer of mine was very evidently answered I remember talking recently with Kiara and just asking her, Kiara, have you ever realized one of your prayers was answered? Now, we as a family have been praying for a couple of very specific things, and those prayers were answered. But she had no idea that those were her prayers answered. Have you? Can you think back and say, I know that this was God and only God answering this prayer? How about, have we ever had a time when we completed a task by the power of God, just... Just knowing, man, this was God working. This wasn't me. This wasn't my skill. This was the Holy Spirit using me. When we have that daily routine, it should challenge our realization that, look, we need to step back and realize, God, I need you to work in my life. I want to see you doing. When was the last time I saw God do something great in my life, that God used me, that my faith wasn't just words, but it was works. It changed I did something great for God. And then finally, it should end up with a changed reality. When we're living our faith, it's going to change. We, we, we get that, that challenging realization that, man, no, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not doing things for God. And then we surrender to Him, and it will change our reality. When we live our faith, those actions then are what, what affects the lost. Here in the scripture that we read, it said, Look, look you, you reign into someone, says, If a brother or sister be naked and desolate of daily food, and we used to say to him, Well, the, depart in peace and be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you know, notwithstanding ye give him not those things which are, um, are needful for the body, what does a prophet? No, when we're living our faith, we're going to help out those needs. We're going to go out there and let our light so shine before men we were out there and do something to affect someone. To go out there and try to make an impact in someone else's life. To change a life so that they could, in turn, be saved. I read an interesting passage. I've read it several times before, but it's really challenged me recently. Luke 14:12. He said unto them, when thou, when thou makest a dinner supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they bid thee again, and a replicant be made to thee. When thou makest feasts, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. Then thou shalt be blessed. For they cannot recompense thee. For thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. When was the last time we went out there and lived our life, gave in a way to someone that no way would ever be able to pay us back? We gave and we helped someone out that wouldn't do something nice back to us. It's easy to be nice to our friends. It's a lot harder to be nice to someone when we're out there saying, well, you know, they should get a, they, they should get a job, they, you know. When was the last time we went out of the way and said, okay, this, I, this guy can't pay me back. But I'm going to go I'm going to help this person for the reason that they can see those good works and glorify the Father in heaven. It doesn't, the living like that doesn't excuse us from sharing our faith. It opens up the doors so we can share our faith. Most people don't really care about what you know until they know about, how, they know that you care for them. Hey, when was the last time you showed someone that you care for them? That you made the impact in their life? That you changed it so they could see your faith? Looking back, what is the most tangible sh- thing you can point at and say, that is my faith in action. This is how my faith has worked. It should be an individual. We can look back and see how God answered prayers for stuff like, Cars. I recently, obviously, needed a minivan. I am so glad I needed a minivan. For those who don't know, twins. We need a minivan. God answered our prayer for the minivan. Great, but what I want my faith to really show is the people that are left behind, the people that I've been able to reach and bring, reach for the Lord and get them planted in the church. Letting our, sharing the faith and then living it in a way so that people can get saved and become closer and closer to Him. In your life, how are you sharing your faith? How are you living your faith? We need to have both. Faith without works is dead, being alone. Can't just say, I'm a Christian, I come to church and read my Bible, that's it, period. No. Your faith and your works. One, just the faith by itself, is dead. It's pointless. It's coming to church on Sunday, living the same on Monday. It makes no difference. You need to be able to share your faith. You've been called to it. There's the opportunities for it. Are we callous for it, though? Then let's live our faith. Let's, let's let the Bible set a routine. Let's let the Bible dictate what we're going to do. And then let's then use our, that, those routines to change reality, to change someone's eternity Tonight as I close, I want to do a little bit of a different kind of invitation. Instead of a normal invitation with a piano playing or anything, I'm going to close in a word of prayer. If you feel lit to come up, you can. But really, the invitation is tomorrow morning. It's will you live your faith and will you share your faith? This isn't a message to draw people forward towards the altar or anything. It's truly one to make you think, am I living my faith? Is my... Am I, do I have those works? Am I showing people my faith? Are we sharing the faith? Are we showing it? Are we living what we believe? See, I'm going to end in a word of prayer. If you do feel, for, if you feel like you want to come forward, you can. But really, the invitations tomorrow morning. Well, what difference is church going to make in your life? What difference is the Holy Spirit going to affect in your schedule tomorrow? How's the Bible going to get you to do something different this week? Living your faith and sharing your faith. How does the Bible actually make a difference? You've been commanded to go, to share, to reach the lost. But are we going to do it? Are we going to live that out? Let our works so shine before men. Man, man, you you have thy faith, and I have. You know, you you can do those works. That was works, and I have faith. Well, show me thy faith without thy works. I want to show you my faith by my works. Let's let's pray. Dear heavenly fathers, we end in a word of prayer, a, a more almost like intellectual message, I would think, or just a, a challenging with our lives. But I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we go forth from here, as we try to live and sh- live our lives, help us to be able to live in a way that people can see those works, so we can then open up the opportunity to share with them the gospel. We know people are going to hell. We know real people really do spend eternity separated from you in hell. So Lord, help us to actually live that faith out, to actually do something about it. Not just say, well, someone else needs to go win the loss, but actually get out there and use our works and talk about the gospel. Share our faith with them. And we love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. Praise things your name. Amen. As we depart in just one second, I don't know how Pastor Normally. I haven't been in a Wednesday night service in a very long time. Anyone else notice that? Um, So I don't know how Pastor Normally closes it. I'll give a couple of reminders, though, from stuff that I know that's coming up. Um, Monday's Memorial Day picnic. If you haven't signed up, um, please sign up in the back.